This was yeah. a a very sympathetic piece on a man who dismembers living twenty week and above babies. Yeah, and for that to have been a sympathetic portrayal shows the power of good writing and good storytelling. Right. And I think we all need to keep that in mind because right. we need to change the narrative. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours, send me, Lord. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro Life Podcast, a podcast designed to equip, encourage, and challenge you in pro life ministry and always with a focus on the gospel. Stay tuned. Felt your passion, touched your heart. Use me, Lord, use me, Lord. Welcome back to the Gospel Centered Pro Life Podcast. We appreciate you guys joining us. And as always, we'd appreciate if you guys would share this podcast with others. We're going to share our email addresses at the end of this episode so you can reach out to us because, as always, we'd like for you to reach out. If you have any questions, if you have any other topics that you'd like for us to cover, suggestions for future podcasts, we'd love to do those. And uh, the podcast episode that we're going to do today is going to be based on someone reaching out with some questions about sidewalk outreach in their area. Um, just real quick, I'll introduce myself. We've tried to do that in um, the most recent episodes just because there's some new people that are coming on and listening. So my name is Daniel Parks. I'm the director uh, or the West Coast Regional Shepherd for Love Life. So I oversee our efforts on the West Coast, even though I'm on the East Coast. I'm actually out on the West Coast a lot. I travel back and forth. And uh, I'm joined by Vicki Cassiorg. Hey there, everyone, and I am a sidewalk missionary here in Charlotte. I've been doing this almost a decade, yeah. and um, and these podcasts for about two years yeah. with Daniel. And so, you know, to toot our own horns mm-hmm. and to let you guys know that we're like super official and we, we know everything about sidewalk ministry. Absolutely. We've been doing this for 25 combined years. Yeah, right? long time. And we're super humble about yeah. that, we right? Are. No, we are super humble, like... Even though we've been doing this for a while, combined 25 years experience, right. we're still learning stuff like every every day, yeah. every time we're out there or yeah. something new. Uh, we get to interact with you guys that are listening and you throw out suggestions to us and questions to us and we learn stuff from you guys. So to, to be honest, like we are humbled to be able to serve you guys in this way and to speak into your situation, speak into your city and the sidewalk outreach ministry there. But we're also, um, we realize that maybe if you view us as experts, um, you've been duped because <laughs> <laughs> we pretend to be experts. We play experts on a podcast. Uh, in do. a ministry like this, there just are no real experts. There is always something that is going to throw you for a loop pretty yeah. much every day. Yeah. Every day you walk yeah, out Yeah, and there. that's why I always say Yeah. in the trainings that we do and stuff, it's like if you want to know, I call it the super duper top secret <laughs> trick uh-huh. to being effective on the sidewalk. Right. You know what it is, Vicky? Be on the sidewalk? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, that's not it. Nice try, but that was wrong. <laughs> the super duper top secret, secret, secret tip uh-huh. to be effective on the sidewalk. Oh, oh, be in the Lord, be in the word. How about Walk that? Walk with Jesus. Amen. Walk with Jesus. Amen. That includes being in prayer, being in the word. Yeah. But we do think that we have some value to add to you guys. We do think we can take some of our experiences and um, just share them share on this podcast. That's what we intend to do. 
So in this episode, I'll let you introduce the topic, Vicki. Okay. Well, this did come from a counselor who is working or serving at a facility where they only do late-term abortions. And I didn't know there was such a facility. It's in Boulder, Colorado, and a a relatively famous abortionist, Warren Hearn. Infamous. Infamous. That's a better word. Warren, Warren Hearn is his name. And I guess the LA Times wrote, recently wrote an article on him. And then I believe the missionary saw that article and found out, wow, this is this is the facility where I'm going to be serving as a sidewalk missionary um, or counselor. And so she sent us the article that yeah. the LA Times wrote and asked if we were familiar with this, sent us a rebuttal from a pro-life I think it was magazine. live action. Maybe, I, it was live action. Like and and then said, given that this is only late-term abortions, would this alter how you would speak to the women and your strategy? And we answered separately, Daniel and I, in, in letters. I've written an article that includes roughly both of our, our answers, a little bit different. In many ways, we yeah. agreed, but we had some slight differences. But also, I did a little bit further research. I did read both of these articles. I recommend everybody read them. And and then I did a little bit further research on why people come for a later term abortion, because yeah. that's important to know. Yeah. And that's what how this article developed and then this podcast right. developed, yeah. was trying to ad- not only adequately answer that missionary's question, but then someone else wrote us in yeah. a very similar situation and said, what would you say that maybe is unique from what you would say to someone in a early term yeah. abortion? Yeah. So that's how it developed. Yeah. And we had talked about this a couple of episodes ago um, when we talked about getting in the mindset. Mm-hmm. The encouragement in that podcast was we need to we need to try the best we can to enter into the mindset of the women that we're ministering to so that right. we can understand their perspective and accurately speak into their situation. Right. I mentioned this a little bit, kind of the interaction that we had um, yeah. with the lady there in, in Colorado, and that the mindset could be different. Right. So this is a more in-depth look at that. Like, what is the what is the mindset of a woman that's coming for a late-term abortion? Yeah. How would we... You tweak our language or what would we focus on? Because, you know, depending on the situation, again, whether it's a late term abortion or whatever the situation might be. I mean, I'm even looking at the situation where if you're talking to someone who's taking the abortion pill versus someone who has a surgical abortion or is going in for a surgical abortion, there's a co- general framework is the three talking points. But there's a couple of things that I'm going to say to the abortion pill person that I wouldn't say to the um, surgical abortion person and vice versa, right? Correct. And so just there's a couple things to consider. And as we're um, talking about late-term abortions, there's a couple things to consider yeah. in this area. Yeah, so in that article, one of the things that right off the bat, um, they met, I well, the article where I tried to find out the mindset of the yeah. woman. So tried to find out facts about uh, late-term abortions and the mindset of the women. Yeah. Late term abortion is a is kind of a term that they don't recommend you even use right. because it doesn't really have a lot of meaning. What is a late term abortion? Yeah, yeah. 
So in this article, it it talked about abortions after 20 weeks. Right, yeah. So and it's essentially the third trimester abortions, essentially, right? Essentially. Essentially. This is a little bit before the third term. But, yeah. but most abortion centers, I don't even know if it's most. I know the abortion centers here in, in Charlotte are up to about 20 weeks. Yeah. And, and that's what a lot of people are going to be. Um, coming in, you know, serving at, although most abortions occur in the first trimester. Yeah. But there are women that come in that third trimester. And I think that most people believe, and I think you mentioned that it's usually due to fetal abnormality of some sort. But I wanted to find out specifically why people come for late-term abortion. And this article, I think it was really interesting um, why the main reasons – and it was a study and uh, of the main reasons why women over 40 – over 20 weeks come for an abortion. And they may have faced more than one of the following issues, which I'm going to go over, but they they reported facing – these issues, and this is why they were coming for an abortion. Yeah, yeah. The, the, so, so they delayed the decision to abort because of these particular correct. reasons. Okay, correct. So, first of all, the the first, I don't know, um, item was any barrier. If there was any barrier present, thirty one percent of the women said that there was some sort of a barrier. Okay. And a barrier between them and having the abortion. Correct. Okay. Correct. So now the they don't specifically in this article ever list fetal abnormality. Okay. Or a health risk with the mom. Okay. But the article did point out that that is those are both main issues for people in late term yeah. abortions. Not not necessarily the only issue. Maybe not an issue at all. Yeah. But those do occur. And and a question that came to my mind right away was why wait if there's a maternal risk? Why did they wait? Yeah. And one of the things the article pointed out is some maternal risk don't show up till the third term. Right. Which I hadn't really thought about. Yeah. High blood pressure. Preeclampsia. Preeclampsia. All those yeah. sorts of things. So it's good to know that. But any barrier, 31% of them said that there was some sort of a barrier yeah. preventing them from getting an earlier abortion. 40% of them said raising money for the procedure and related costs. Now, that's interesting because a third-term okay. abortion is thousands of dollars. Right. Very yeah. expensive. So that means they couldn't even afford less expensive abortion yeah. and had to go about somehow raising the money. Yeah. 40%. Not knowing about the pregnancy, 20%. Again, okay. a lot of us will look at that and say, what? They don't know they're 20 weeks pregnant and they don't know it. I'll tell you, there was one time I went oh, on yeah. the RV. There was a woman didn't even know she was pregnant um, on our mobile ultrasound RV. She didn't even know she was pregnant. She was 32 weeks. Yeah. So it happens, folks. It does happen. Twenty <laughs> percent of them didn't know about the pregnancy. Yeah. By the way, I want you all to keep in mind as I'm listing all these things. These are not fetal abnormality or maternal risk. These are the same things that we sometimes hear from the first term yeah. abortion. Yeah, no doubt. Um, difficulty securing insurance coverage. Forty-one percent. Now that one made me gag. Because that means that some people do get insurance coverage for an abortion. Yeah. And if you don't know that, 
You need to know that. That's kind of sad, isn't yeah. it? That insurance pays for abortions. Um, 40%, this is key. I think this might be the most important one. Trouble deciding about the abortion, 40%. That means 40% of the women coming for a late-term abortion still have conflict in their heart. We know we can speak to that. Yeah. Um, 38% did not know where to go for an abortion. That floors me. Yeah. That's a big percentage. There's so many abortion centers advertised. They're all over the place, but 38% don't know where to go. Yeah. Um, difficulty getting to an abortion uh, facility, 27%. Disagreeing about the abortion with the man involved, 20%. Yeah. So uh, while fetal abnormality, maternal risk are big reasons for a late-term abortion, they are hardly the only reason, sometimes not even the most um, important reason, and that's very important for people who are serving at those facilities to know. You yeah. can speak to all these other issues, not just to the fetal abnormality and maternal risk. Yeah. So, um, so this this uh, this abortionist Warren Hearn, uh, something that. I really spoke to me as I read that article, and I would recommend that everybody read that article. They present him so sympathetically that he comes across as a victim and a hero. Yeah. Oh, of course. He's, At, a, he's a victim, not the babies that he kills through abortion. Exactly. And he's a hero because he gives a woman um, her life back or whatever, yeah. however they, yeah. they Deem that he's fighting for these poor women, right? Um, and never the article never once mentions the murdered babies, of course. Of course, but um, but what struck me as a writer, and I think it will strike you, Daniel, because you are always talking about the value of stories. This was yeah. a a very sympathetic piece on a man who dismembers living twenty week and above. Babies, yeah, and for that to have been a sympathetic portrayal shows the power of good writing and good storytelling, right? And I think we all need to keep that in mind because right. we need to change the narrative in our stories. Stories are powerful, yeah. Our stories can equally paint the truth. Of what happens to that baby, yeah, and absolutely. the devastation to the mother, and all of us need to be aware aware of that and yeah. how to do that well. Yeah, yeah. So um, the other article, live action, debunks the Times piece, and I think it's important for us to read that so that we have the balance of the truth bumped up against this very well written LA LA Times story. Yeah. But anyway, you gave the your feedback uh, to. The missionary in Oregon, in Boulder, who who wrote to us, Colorado. As, Colorado. I'm sorry that that um, asked us, "What do we do?" And I thought your feedback was really good. So maybe you could yeah. talk about the things that you mentioned. Yeah. So my point was that the women that we're seeing that come in for an early first trimester, even second trimester abortion, are typically like. And, and you know, we've seen women who uh, come in who are amazed when we we do, by God's grace, get to show them an ultrasound and they see their baby at nine, you know, eight, nine weeks, got a heartbeat. They're amazed. They'll say, it's a baby, right? So there's this ability 
in a sense, even though there's really no excuse for it because of the technology we have. But there's this ability to kind of disconnect themselves from the reality that they're carrying a baby because they don't yet feel that baby. It's not a a clear – maybe in their bodies there's some changes, but there's not a clear change. They don't have a baby bump and that sort of thing. When you get into, of course, the third trimester, but even like 20 weeks, we all know and have seen people who are pregnant at 20 weeks. You can see their baby. You can see that baby kick. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can feel the baby kick, right? So there's no denying that it's a baby at that point. So my response was one like we certainly can appeal to that mother and talk to her um, about the fact that her baby is a human being, that it's a human life. But she she already knows that likely, and especially if she's already had – because when a woman does find out she's pregnant, let's say she wanted to get pregnant, but then she finds out she's pregnant with a baby that has some fetal abnormality or some issue, um, she's going to go for multiple ultrasounds. Like the doctor – we went through this with our twins. So we have twin, right. twin right. girls, mm-hmm. and they're precious. Mm-hmm. But at like 12 weeks, my wife was 12 weeks pregnant, so we found out, I think – Maybe it was nine weeks that she was having twins. Mm-hmm. About 12 weeks, my wife woke up in a pool of blood, mm. and we thought we were losing the babies. thought yeah. she was miscarrying. By God's grace, she did not, and they, they lived and continued. And about 20 weeks, she had an ultrasound because when you have twins, they do regular ultrasounds. So twins is, is sort of an abnormality, right? It's, right. it's sort of a yeah. rare yeah. – and they consider it a high risk. Any, yeah. any situation where a woman has twins, it's a high-risk situation for her and for the babies. And so um, she had multiple ultrasounds, and then at like 19 or 20 weeks, there were some issues. One of the babies was smaller than the other, and so they, they did an ultrasound. They ended up, we ended up getting an MRI, all these things. And I'm saying that from our experience is like you've seen multiple ultrasounds, right? right. If there's some, some issues with that baby, they're not just going to, hopefully at least, they're not just going to do one ultrasound and say, you got problems with this child, you need to have an abortion. Now, some doctors probably would do that. But for the most part, doctors, even that are pro-abortion, are probably not going to do that, especially if it's with a woman who wanted the child. Does that make sense? Exactly, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to do multiple ultrasounds. So there's not, like if I'm standing in front of a place where, you know, they're killing babies 20 weeks and above, I, I would mention the ultrasound, but they've probably already had an ultrasound. Right. And so probably what I will mention is, you probably saw the ultrasound of your baby. Didn't you see that your child is alive? You know, I want to remind them what they've already seen rather than, hey, come over here. We have a free ultrasound for you. Now, if I had that available, I would certainly offer that. I would always talk about a second opinion. I would always right. say, did you get a second opinion to me? And I think I'm pretty sure I responded to, the, responded to that email in this way, Yeah, that having a high-risk doctor mm-hmm. – and a doctor that is willing to give a second opinion to me, that would be on the top of my list to find. I would be finding that high risk doctor. It would, and let me just inter- interject in in there. Make sure it's a pro life high yeah, risk, absolutely. <laughs> because we know that there are high risk doctors who will then just say, "Go ahead and kill the baby," because yeah. that is the least um, uh, likely to be sued over response, and yeah. they're they're risk adverse. So be sure it's a pro life high risk doctor. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And um, so some of the things that I encourage her to do is, yes, I would use the three talking points and I would talk about resources and things like that. I would talk certainly about the humanity of the baby. That's that's where I would probably rest most of my words in the humanity of the baby. Yeah. 
and in their accountability uh, accountability to God. I would be reminding them of what they've already seen, because again, they've likely already seen an ultrasound. Right. I would be reminding them of what they're already feeling. You feel your baby kick. Yeah. Um, now, I haven't dug into the numbers that um, that you shared earlier about these percentages of why people come for late term abortions. Right. Um, obviously, if you do the math, the percentages don't come out to be 100%. Well, they, because, because they could have more than one of those yeah, factors. Yeah. They that's might my have, point. Right, exactly. Yeah, my point is that there's probably a compounded right. you know, yes. of, of, of each of these things or some level of each of these things. You know, So kind of what I'm getting at is do people have late-term abortions because their baby has Down syndrome? Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. But probably not just because of that, right? right? There's probably these other things. And so uh, trouble deciding about the abortion. So maybe they found out at 12 weeks. I mean, they can do blood tests now yeah. to find out whether or not your baby has Down syndrome or the percentage that your baby is likely to have Down syndrome or something, which I think is absurd. But they, you can do that. Right. So you can find out at like you know, 12, 14 weeks yeah. if your baby has Down syndrome. And some of these women could have been going back and forth in their mind of whether or not they should do the abortion, getting advice from people. And then, of course, it pushes the um, the baby on into 20 weeks. Right, and so it, right. it becomes a you know, yeah, potentially I, a third trimester abortion. And I agree with where you're going, but I have met women who are 20 weeks pregnant who have not had any fetal or maternal abnormality or risk mentioned, but just cannot decide. They know it's wrong. They just are filled with conflict. And that's why they're now entering into, you know, the second and third trimester and still haven't done it. So there can be conflict without a factor of some sort of risk or abnormality. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Speaking about the kind of the health risk of the woman, yeah. Especially when they're in, you know, the 24 to, you know, 28 week, really up into 28 when you get closer to 30 weeks. Babies, like babies have been born at 24 weeks, 26 right. weeks right. that have survived. Yeah. Now, it, it it's not, of course, the best scenario, but you would have to ask yourself, okay, if the woman has preeclampsia mm-hmm. and she's 25 weeks, 24 weeks along. Why would they abort the child? Why would they kill the child and then have the child delivered? Because is it, wouldn't the process generally be the same? You can leave the child alive and deliver the child. Do you have to kill the child and then deliver the child to stop the symptoms of preeclampsia? And you don't. Right. And so to me, it's like it, it's, it, it doesn't make sense. Why not just deliver the child? Is it that? This person's looking for a justification to kill the child. Yeah. So that that to me doesn't make sense. And again, I know that that's. I I, I want to say this and be kind of careful in what I'm saying, but no one goes about to have a late term abortion, or you know later in the second trimester in third trimester abortions, and does it kind of on a whim, right? It's pretty well thought out for the most part, right? Yeah. And, and it's, it's not a lot just of that, money. Yeah. It is a big expense. Yeah. When you're getting into the third trimester, yeah. you're you're talking like $10,000 right. for the abortion procedure. Right. And so there's there's got to be a compounded amount of things going on. Right. And things that are, you know, similar, but maybe even more um, traumatic, more stressful than people that have an early term abortion. Yeah. And so... Understanding that, understanding that 
these we see it all the time. We see women walking into the Latrobe Abortion Center, other abortion centers. The most most of the abortion centers we minister at mm-hmm. are going to be twenty weeks in before, like you said, right. And we see people going in flipping us off. It's not a baby, you know. Right. I don't imagine you see a lot of that at these late term abortion facilities. I don't imagine right. you see a lot right. of people coming out getting in your face. You, you, I don't imagine you do. Now, I will say, I'll put it on you guys who reach out at those abortion facilities. Uh, maybe you do see that a lot. Maybe the attitude is different. But I'm imagining an attitude that's more somber, that's mm-hmm. more broken. Mm-hmm. And so there's a way to reach out to those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that that is a very important point that, that you just raised because I think there may be doctors who just think the simpler thing to do than delivering an early baby is to just tell them to abort the baby. But they could, in most cases, maybe in all cases, in a late-term abortion, they do not need to kill the baby. They could deliver the baby. And the baby may or may not make it, but um, there is a choice to kill one human being yeah. to reduce whatever the risk to the to the mom. Late-term abortions are risky yeah, to the mom. Absolutely. There is a lot uh, that can go wrong in a, in a late-term abortion. That is, um, it is not a small risk factor. Yeah. So I think that it's important to point that out. Yeah. But undoubtedly, there it might be the doctor that she is seeing who is going with what he sees as the least risky right. option, but it, it could be well be her having more than just the concern about whatever abnormality, Yeah, being yeah. concerned about those other issues. So I liked what you said also when, when you wrote that letter that of the convenience factor. Right. And I'm not sure that you mentioned that in, um, yeah. in talking about the mindset. Right, yeah. Difference. So, yeah, it's, it's a very inconvenient thing to uh, go in for a late-term abortion, for yeah. sure. I mean, yeah. especially when you've got people that are flying to Colorado. They're, I mean, I'm sure there are local people, but people do fly to Colorado. Colorado's a, a destination for late-term abortions. Um, I believe um, so Massachusetts or Maryland, mm. either one of those, maybe both of those. Yeah are um, places where people go for late-term abortions. And then New Mexico is another place where people go for late-term abortions. There's like these kind of late-term abortion destinations. There was a documentary. It came out a couple of years ago um, about late-term abortion facilities. I forget the name of the documentary. Maybe if I find it, I can put a link in the show notes. But it was really really informative. And as a matter of fact, I kind of – rewinded that videos kind of went back a little bit on it because as they were showing the office, I noticed on the wall, there was like a payment schedule or there oh. was like prices. And yeah. so I went back and kind of like zoomed into it because I wanted to see what is this? And that's where I saw the $10,000 for, yeah. I think it was like 28 weeks or 30 weeks or something like that. I can't remember, but um, they kind of had how much it cost to do abortions at those stages. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's very telling, but you do have the convenience factor with early term abortions where it's just more convenient to go have an abortion than to let a baby take over your body, to have your work schedule thrown off or, or whatever. And I don't mean to say that 
every woman that has an abortion is doing it for the sake of convenience because it's not convenient to go to the abortion clinic and wait for three hours and, and do, do all that stuff. And right. then they're subjecting their bodies to, you know, some pretty, pretty harsh stuff. Um, so I don't mean to say that it's just convenient in the sense it's easy, but it is more convenient just to have your abortion one day than than to raise a child for 18 years. Right. And we hear that a lot. Right. You're going to raise this baby. I don't want to raise this baby for 18 years. Right. What are you saying? You don't want to be inconvenienced, yeah. right? Yeah. And so my point is with the late-term abortion thing is that people are not coming there for the sake of convenience. They've already went through several months of the pregnancy already. Their body has already been subjected to what a woman's body goes through when she's pregnant. And so that factor is, is, is likely not there or not as prominent in these situations. Yeah. And again, I'm imagining the you know, just the faces of the women are more somber, more like, you know, this is not something that they're doing glibly, right. I will say. Right. And so I wonder if you do have a harder time convincing them. I think that is possible. Yeah. In, in a, I, I imagine there's more fear talking about their mindset they're probably more right. fearful because they really are afraid for their life or for for what is going to be the baby's life. Yeah. And and so again going back to that one of the original points I made testimony telling stories right. there are women who have made it through high risk pregnancies many there are many women who have had a special needs child and could testify to the joy of that child. There's many women who have delivered a baby who is only going to live for a few minutes or maybe hours after birth who say that that time was so precious and it was worth going through the pregnancy and the sorrow to have that baby for those few hours or whatever time that they had. And so those testimonies, I think we should all know about them. And especially if this is a, the type of facility you're serving at, being able to tell those stories and, yeah. and give those women help and hope, hope that even though this is a terrible situation, that there is even there is even joy possible yeah. in, in bringing that baby, you know, yeah, I mean, testimonies to are a powerful way for any situation that you're dealing with. If you have a corresponding testimony or story, if you have a personal testimony yeah. or testimony that you can share with somebody you know or something you've read or a video, it's just powerful because yeah. it really overcomes the you know all of the lies that th- there, there can't be any good that comes out of this bad situation. Testimonies show that, well, God's not a respecter of persons, and if he was there with this woman in her story— yeah, and there's a positive outcome here. It brings yeah. hope, right? There can there can be a similar testimony in your situation, right? Right. right. What reading that one article helped me to know and understand was, like you, I don't think I would focus on the resources so much with a later term abortion, but I might not ignore it because if if all of those reasons that I listed at the beginning of this podcast are true, then you've still got women who are conflicted, women who are being pressured by a boyfriend, women who are still in shock because they just found out that they were pregnant not long ago. And, um, and so I think using our three talking points are still important, especially focusing on the two humanity of the baby and um, and what God has has to say, yeah. and the value of that child yeah. before God, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that 
uh, we'll wrap this episode up if you're if you're good to go on that. Yeah, Vicky. yeah. I I mean, most people. I just want to say, most of you will not face this. They, there are very few that are solely late term yeah. abortion centers. But you will if you're in one of those destination states. You may come and meet yeah. up with women who are in a later term um, abortion. And I think it is important to to read these articles and and to to think about what we've. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And we'd love to hear you guys' feedback. Maybe you're listening to this podcast and you've ministered at one of these late-term abortion facilities for a long time. If you've, you've learned some things that you can teach us, we would love to hear from you. Maybe even interview you and get some wisdom from you because um, we've not been in that scenario. I mean, I've dealt with women that are further along in pregnancy, you know, 20 weeks plus. Right. But, and I know you have too, but it's not a regular occurrence, and we're certainly not ministering at an abortion clinic that that's all they do. Right. So we're speaking from you know some knowledge, but not full knowledge of what that might look like. So if you have a unique perspective on that, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, if you have any feedback on this episode or other episodes, please reach out to us. You can reach me, Daniel, at lovelife.org. You reach her, Vicky at lovelife.org. I also want to say, if you guys could leave us a review on whatever service you use for podcasts, we would really like to get our 1.2 stars up to four stars, maybe, maybe three stars, um, because our pro-abortion friends have trolled our reviews. They're still putting reviews out every once in a while. We have more reviews than any other pro-life podcast. Yeah. They so, just happen so to all be one-star reviews. Thank you, pro-abortion people, <laughs> yeah, for that. Right, right. <laughs> so our pro-abortion friends have um, have really given us a lot of reviews. And if you want to have some fun, uh, read the reviews. Well, maybe not. They're, they're pretty pretty nasty. But anyway, leave us a review if you have uh, an opportunity to do that, if you like these podcasts. But until next time, God bless. God bless you all. for love Give me an outlet for gratitude I know it will cost me my life But nothing's too precious since I met you